0: Honestly, I think we are all the same, so as long we have the same passion to ride a bicycle and we have the same fun, it doesn't matter where you are coming from and uh, what are you doing. So just uh, uh, go like tomorrow, have fun. If you have fun to kill yourself and to suffer well, why not? If you are like my age and you don't care if it's uh, one or two hours more until you are in the finish line, why not? Just do what you like
1: to do. That's Tour de France legend Eric Zabel, and this is the Inner Voice Audio Experience. Today I had the honor of hosting the pro panel at the SBT Gravel, gravel cycling event here in beautiful Steamboat Springs, Colorado. It really was a pleasure to meet and interact with some distinguished cyclists who are humble and obviously super talented. I personally have been prepping for this race for about four months and I'm ready to take on the 140 miles and almost 10,000 feet of climbing tomorrow. There were some great laughs in the panel and I appreciate the athletes for indulging me. I look forward to sharing a recap of how tomorrow goes, but for now, please enjoy the pro panel from SBT Gravel as a part of the Inner Voice audio experience.
2: I want to introduce someone who's going to moderate this pro panel. He's a great friend of mine. He's doing the 140-mile race himself tomorrow. Um, His name is Travis McKenzie from Inner Voice Life. And uh, Travis,
1: welcome, and over to you. Thanks, Mark. Uh, as Mark mentioned, Travis McKenzie, and I founded a website a little while ago called innervoice.life, and we featured a few of the athletes here. And it's really about telling the humans, uh, the human stories of the athletes not only the professionals and the world champions and gold medalists, but weekend warriors like me who overcome challenges to pursue their passion. Uh, today, I want to make sure that we're tapping into more of the story of the human side of these athletes. Uh, you, if you were here to hear about hydration and nutrition tips and strategy, you're going to be disappointed. We're going to try and mix it up a little bit. Um, before I do get into it, a big thanks to Mark, to Ken and Amy for such a fantastic event. And obviously to the community of Steamboat Springs for welcoming us to their community and to their beautiful road. So round of applause to Mark, Ken, and Amy for uh, for this fantastic event. Now, um, I have shared with Mark that I am shit scared about tomorrow, 140 miles. But it's been enough for me to put in some work, uh, train a little bit, um, and hopefully everyone. Out there feels a little bit scared as well because that's what the trepidation and the uh, and the fear helps us push through those things uh, and get to where we want to go. A couple of quick facts: fifteen hundred athletes racing tomorrow, forty-nine states represented. Mark, what's the only state that didn't have a representation here? Mississippi. If you're from Mississippi, free entry for tomorrow. No. <laughs> next year maybe uh... seven countries and as uh... you've heard as well twenty eight percent female participation which is awesome and amy will talk more about the parity initiative as well um... little known fact between colon yes oh gosh
3: what kind of rinky dink show is this
1: yes she's. So change our stats. Fifty states represented.
2: <laughs>
1: Perfect. Done. Awesome. Yeah. We're all from Mississippi, Mark. Can we all get in for free? Um. Little known fact: between Ted, Amity, Colin, Yuri, and myself, we have five Dirty Kansas titles. Between Eric and I, we have six green jerseys and 12 Tour de France stage wins. There we go, that's better. I had on my notes here, al als hopefully, winky face. We almost got there. As I mentioned, the goal of the panel is to give you an interesting look at the inspiring athletes that will be joining us tomorrow. Uh, Ted, I'm going to start with you. Um, I want to say that I was fortunate enough to join Ted and Laura at their inaugural Rooted Vermont event two weeks ago. So kudos for putting on such an amazing event. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Um, Now, I've heard you talk about gravel and the opportunity for you to have a second coming in your career after you retired from the Pro Peloton in 2015. Do you feel fortunate that you stopped racing and are able to ride this wave of gravel and the growth of gravel? In a word, yes. Um,
4: I, I retired from traditional road racing in 2015 at the end of that season and and immediately had uh, some really good relationships with, with some of the best companies and sponsors in, in the sport of cycling. Um, at that point, I was starting to dip my toe into gravel just purely for the sake of fun. It was thanks to guys like Yuri and, and uh, friends like Rebecca Rush that Dan Hughes, who said, come on out, and Dan Hughes, four-time DK champ, four. There's nine
1: between Dan and the crew and me, nine. There we go. Thanks, Dan.
4: So, you know, not to say that Dan invented gravel or anybody invented gravel. I think we can all agree that gravel has pre-existed all these these iterations of our careers, Uh, It's just been a very fortuitous time, and it's been insanely fun, and it's it's this It's this community. It is the master. It is everything. That's fun about bike riding
1: All encompassing the sport of gravel love it. Well said. Thanks Ted now someone who's uh, Very much in the middle of their career tiff. What should I say? G'day, mate. How you going? Uh, Tiff and I we we actually should have subtitles for when Tiff and I talk um, so put your hand up if you can't understand this. Now, your, your journey to the pro peloton was a little bit unique as well. Um, can you tell us a bit about how that came about for you growing up in Australia? And, and second part of that question, what ultimately decided, how uh, did you decide to pursue that career in cycling?
5: Yeah, so basically I came through a talent search program um, put on by our state sports institute. So they go around to schools, look at general fitness tests, physiology, and say, okay, you're this high, this tall, this good at a big test, whatever, and then you have to be something in a certain sport. For me, I got invited to try cycling out at the local velodrome. Um, here's a big track, here's a bike with no brakes, go right around and see what you think. So here I am, you know, always in sport, but never, ever thought of cycling. And, yeah, to start with, so from there, did a couple of sessions and then went out to the lab and did a VO2 max test, and then they thought that I have the potential to make it in cycling. So, you know, quite not your normal way to come in but um, I like to say something about me but I didn't have an immediate love for it so I just did it just because I always do sport I'm like ah sure let's do this something else I still play basketball for many years then we start on the road and my first race I got third in state titles I was like hmm, actually this is okay and then start travelling around Australia and then made my first Australian team to go overseas for the Junior World Championships and it's just it just stuck with me you know I'm not someone who's very good at quitting like, if I do something, I keep going, you know, it takes a lot before I'm like, nah, I'm done, I'm not doing this anymore, and just had a gradual pathway, you know, doors open along the way, I went through, you know, the national program, I spent some time racing in America and the NRS series, Um, actually, fun fact, me and Ellie Powers was teammates, my very first team in Colabinas at home, so... You know, full swing, but um and then got up to Europe where the careers just And now We've been amazing, so we can and Train Macing, so looking
1: forward tours. It's been pretty cool. Awesome. Well it's great to uh, catch up with you again. We met a few years ago in Vancouver, so it's good to good to see you. Um now Yuri, if I had a dollar for every time someone said to me, Have you met Yuri? Do you know Yuri? I'd be at least twenty seven dollars richer. So nice to meet you. Twenty-eight, brother. Um now you have uh a pretty good career in gravel cycling, let's say that. You. Yep. Uh, a win at Dirty Kansas, second last year at DKXL. Correct. You've combined that with uh, a successful business career as the elite and community manager for Guru. For us weekend warriors out there, uh, I'd love to hear from you how you've balanced those two passions and pursuits.
3: Oh, um, well, first, I
1: just want to acknowledge that uh, Gu has
3: been really flexible and creative in um, recognizing my strengths and weaknesses and sort of creating a position that fit my skill set. Uh, so I'm lucky and I have a really unique work schedule. I only go into the office two days a week. Um, and I get to work remotely from home, so that allows me to train more and travel more. Um, I'm actually in on a three-week road trip right now, where work and play get blended. Because we're a sponsor of this event, but I also get to race it. Um, so yeah, it, it is a, a delicate uh, balancing act. But um, I'm really fortunate to have a have a job that allows me that freedom.
1: Amazing. Um, any jobs going? Any what that? Any jobs? Gone? Job. Jobs. 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 Can I get a job?
3: Can you get a job? (laughs) Sounds awesome. Yeah, I'm not sure we're hiring right now, but I'll check with with HR when I get home.
1: Yeah, right. Okay. Is that because you can't understand me? No. I totally Uh, can understand you. Amity. Let's get that mic down to Amity. You and I met in March. We had a great conversation. One of my favorite interviews ever. Um, The first question I threw at you, or one of the first questions, was uh, the title of being a professional cyclist. You cringed then, and I'm guessing you're probably going to cringe now. Your challenge was that you didn't want to see yourself as a cyclist, there's other people out there who are more professional, etc., etc. et cetera. Has that changed after winning Dirty Cancer? Are you closer to feeling comfortable about the label professional cyclist?
6: Um, I, I guess so. <laughs> um, it is mainly what I do now, um, in part thanks to the opportunities that Kansas opened up for me. Um, and I feel super fortunate to be able to see that. Um, for me, there's always been a bit of a danger in making cycling like my entire life. I don't actually enjoy that. Um, I like to feel like I have other interests and do other things, and it can be a really consuming sport, especially like when you have to train as much and travel as much um, as i have been doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is—it's what I do now, and um, I'm super happy to say that.
1: Love it. Um, follow-up question for you: You have a, a penchant for suffering long hard days the further it goes the better you get when did you first recognize that you had that ability
6: um I don't know I mean I find there's always a point at which suffering becomes like not suffering anymore um and I like reaching that point and kind of continuing past it um I'm happy in gravel I think because of the opportunity to do that um because of these super long distance events um I don't know um watching them do that, um, so normal. it's normalized from a very early age, um, but yeah, I mean, the longer you can kind of teach your body to do that, the more you can see,
5: um, yeah. <laughs> Love it.
1: Um, Colin, um, I was interested to see that in your Instagram bio, it still talks about you riding bikes in circles, yeah. do you feel like you're ready to update that, given your success at Kanza? Uh, or are you going to keep that there just for, uh, for shits
7: and giggles most rides we all do are in circles, large or small good right, okay so, panel's uh, over <laughs> elaborate elaborate on
1: on whether I would change the definition of, of what I do well so I guess my question is you're uh, obviously, your history is and your some of your background is in crit racing, um, you know, single speed, um, fixed gear, things like that. Now,
7: well, it was environmental consulting for okay. five years So I was pried away
1: uh, by the bicycle. And then now you, you won the big, let's call it the biggest race in gravel cycling. So, I guess my question is, uh, do you consider yourself a cyclist, an environmental consultant, uh, just a human being? Tell me, tell me more about who you are. I definitely just consider myself a human being who happened
7: to ride bicycles more and more recently. Um, but yeah, certainly I try to have as many different pursuits to keep myself entertained as possible. As of late, cycling has provided ample opportunities to explore the world and meet wonderful people in all these different avenues and venues. And uh, yeah, I'm going to chase this rabbit as long as it's fun and, you know, entertaining and rewarding.
1: I feel that um, in some of the media and content I've seen about Kenza, you were referred to as that guy or some guy. Um, do you think? Oh, yeah. Do you think that the I some guess young that guy. some young guy, um, that underestimation of your ability or the talent you have or um, or what have what have you has changed now? I I think yeah. it really just depends on
7: what your little cycling microcosm is so people who follow gravel might have known who I was but people who are following strictly world tour racing I'm
1: an outlier so I think it's all relative your perspective well said thank you Alison you have an incredible resume in cycling in downhill skiing Um, you've raced for 15 years in both of those pursuits eight and seven Um, and I know that you haven't raced for five years What's bringing you back?
2: Money.
8: (laughs) uh,
1: Mark.
2: (laughs) To be fair, I was last year starting to feel a little bit competitive again. And I also needed some kind of motivation to start taking care of my body, like stretch and do core, because I was feeling old. Um, and, And this race came on the radar, and I was browsing through the website and looked at the prize list thinking it would be zero and five grand. And in December, coaching income isn't super high, Um, so money. I'm here to win money.
1: Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I know you've built a a career post-racing as a coach as well. Um, Has has you setting yourself a goal and coming back and, and doing the small things the 1% is the stretching, the core, etc., cetera, et cetera, helped you as a coach? Has it given you a different perspective on your coaching?
2: Most definitely, yes. Uh, I, I started coaching while I was racing, but for me, racing was the job and coaching was the second job. So now having coaching as the job and this race as the second job, I have a whole new Um, respect for our athletes who have kids and jobs and try to balance everything and make time for a five hour ride on the weekend because I never made time for a five hour ride Um, and then this past month I've been doing a blog every day about my build up toward this race, and I feel like that has helped. Uh, I try to put a coaching tip in there ev- every day, and it's really been helpful for our athletes and other people to read to, to see what it's like the month leading into a big event.
1: Very cool. Uh, Eric Zabel. Um, it be, <laughs> well, firstly, a little bit of a fanboy moment here. I grew up in Australia in the mid-90s, early 2000s, when no one knew about cycling. I was the weird weird kid who had shaved legs at school. We would get the five-minute highlights of the Tour de France if we were lucky at midnight. You set the VCR, and hopefully you catch the program. And then we'd wait until September, until the magazines from Europe came, and you could actually read about what happened at the race. So it's amazing to be able to meet you and be here with you. Um my question is for, well, the fact that you were able to inspire a young kid in Australia, but then obviously closer to home, you're able to inspire your own son. And he, now he's on his own journey in the Pro Tour. How does that make you feel to be able to be a part of his career as he goes through his own journey?
0: Honestly, he is not listening at all. If I, if you can be honest. <laughs> if I say left, he's going right for sure. So don't ask me that. <laughs>
4: what
0: <laughs> yeah
1: um, right so
0: your son is a typical son then he's a child of course and I was the same uh, so it's I think it's just uh, natural so it's it's the old uh, same old father son story yeah love it so one day he'll
1: come around and he'll understand and he'll look back at all the advice that you've given him and go oh shit dad I should have listened to dad all those years
0: no, you know, I am. Sometimes I say you can do it like this, but then it maybe goes wrong. So yeah. <laughs> it's up to you.
1: Do you think, like, do you think you being who you are and being able to give him that advice um, has helped him along his journey, or do you think it's kind of given him the opportunity to do it his own way and look at you and say, "Well, I'm not going to listen. I'm going to do it this way." What's your thoughts on that? Whether or not helpful or a hindrance.
0: Uh, For me, it was uh, really also a learning process. So so at at the beginning, when when he was uh, in the youth categories and uh, in the juniors, under 23, I always tried to guide him. But then there was one moment when I realized uh, it makes no sense. So just uh, wait and wait till the moment he is coming and he is asking and that works pretty good. And since since we are... uh, this year, working together in the same team, and I see what what uh, what it means to be a pro cyclist uh, in modern cycling. So I have much more respect for all the athletes and also for my my son.
1: Awesome, thank you. Let us know when he does start listening. Um, Sarah, hi. Um, you won the Belgian Waffle Ride this year, first time out. Um, awesome, congrats. I. I want to talk about a recent story that you shared about the Iron Horse Bicycle Classic where you had to uh, walk up a number of climbs in your first ever race. (laughs) Obviously, there's many, many miles between those two moments in your cycling career. Um, Every time I've ever seen you, anything you ever post, you've got a massive smile on your face. I want you um, to talk to me about what that journey between those two moments has meant to you and continues to mean to you.
9: Oh, that's such a meaningful question. Finally. I was going to be easier. finally. Um no, it's true. I did uh I did walk in my road shoes up my first uh road race climb. Um, I didn't really know anything about road racing and my dad just like dropped me off. I like just started college and I lined up uh, with all the pro women. <laughs> and they like promptly dropped me and I'm Pretty competitive when I like get going, and I thought I could hang, and then I ended up walking and crying, and then I got back on my bike and finished. <laughs> um, but yeah, there there have been a lot of miles um, since that day to now. Um, kind of every race I do, I it's it's a race. Like any anything could happen out there. I was pretty surprised um, to win Belgian Waffle Ride and have the season that I'm having. Not. I'm clueless I just <laughs> I don't know like it's anything could happen over 140 miles like it could go to the best um, the most fit the best technical rider you know the one with the best attitude whatever the one who changes the flat the fastest um, and I think that's what kind of keeps me coming back I really have enjoyed um, learning this new kind of subculture and meeting all the people that I've met um, it's really important the experience for me, not just the bike racing. Like I'll always ride my bike. Um, I don't know if I'll always race my bike, but it'll always be a part of my life. And it's really important that like I've made some great friends through this and
1: <laughs> Yeah. That's very presumptuous of you, Casey.
9: <laughs> Casey for sure. She sat next to me after I had separated my shoulder. <laughs> And I had never even met her before, and I feel like we will probably be friends for a while. <laughs>
1: Love it. Friends from the battlefield. Um, you have uh, a passion and a talent for design and creativity. Uh, how does your two worlds merge there?
9: Oh, man. Um, well, I got it actually merged for my cyclocross season last year. It was my first pro season, and I got to work with um, a brand called 10 Speed Hero, and they do... Um, an amazing job uh with graphic design and blending it into the biking world and i got to race on like custom painted bikes that went off of this woman's design who's a an artist in new york and they kind of like took her art and put it onto our kits and that was like a really really special thing because um similar to amity like it's not just about the biking like it's it's a lot of other cool pieces that can be involved with this medium um, and that
1: was really special so hopefully more of that <laughs> awesome payson uh you recently got to spend some time with some of my old buddies in vancouver the lululemon crew yeah i was very jealous watching your instagram stories of the bc bike race um you've also had a pretty uh great year you did the uh fk fkt and white run trail um, you've also got the best mustache in the sport uh in fact Yeah, sorry, Yuri. This is a lot thicker. There's a lot more volume. (laughs) Um, And you've also got your own podcast, The Adventure Stash. So uh, people often talk to me about what a podcast is, and Ted and yourself have got one, and I often say that it's uh, where you talk and no one listens. Um, That might be just me. But um, tell me about some of the people you've met and interacted with and interviewed, and anything you've been able to glean from those people and learn from those people during that experience of of starting the events stash
10: yeah so the the podcast project is fairly recent um red bull actually came to me with the idea uh late last year and i was pretty resistant because of exactly what you said everybody and their sister has one um but since signing with Red Bull, I've st- my, my circle of acquaintances has grown from the cycling world to the ski world, the surf world, the skate world, climbing world. All of a sudden, it was all of these different sports. I was getting to meet people from all kinds of backgrounds and having really interesting conversations. And uh, eventually, it kind of occurred to us, you know, why not record these and share them with the world? So that's what we started doing about three months ago. And it's been amazing. I mean, it's such a perfect excuse to just sit down across the table from uh, some very accomplished individual and over the course of an hour or two get to know them a lot better than you might if there weren't microphones in play. Um, So the very first episode I did was with the uh, NBA Hall of Famer Reggie Miller, and we sat in his gazillion-dollar mansion in Malibu, California, just one-on-one. The entire area was charred black from the Malibu fires, it was pretty surreal. And because he's into cycling, uh, we had a mutual connection there and we were able to relate on a level that he wouldn't typically be open to with the more traditional journalist. So uh, it's been incredibly memorable thus far. I say the less, the less I say the better, typically. Um, In some ways it's been a selfish vocation because it's just an excuse to learn a lot from a lot of different people. Um, so yeah we'll be I want to do it uh, for the foreseeable future if it continues to grow the way it is I could see doing it
1: uh, after cycling yeah I always talk about it kind of being able to turn a mirror on yourself and learn from that person and and kind of get to know them and take those things from them um, as inspiration or motivation or what have you Um, you also recently talked about um, the pressures of social media and the fact that you you were going to take a little bit of time away and um, and p- perhaps not be as active. Um, do you mind sharing kind of how you feel about that now, how you've remedied that? And, you know, do you consider maybe a necessary evil of, of your career and, and who you are as, you know, the adventure stash and the brand and things like that?
10: Yeah, you know, <clears throat> it's funny because I... Uh, now and then we'll get some criticism for being too active off the race course, if that makes sense, like having too many irons in the fire away from racing. But kind of like we've heard multiple times already, uh, I think you need to have that balance. It can't all be bike racing. Um, When I stopped fixating over uh, the details is when I started winning races. (laughs) Um, And in terms of the social media component, I... I think it's all about how you use it, and for some people, if you don't have the right perspective and you're uh, using it more for comparison's sake, it can be pretty toxic. So some changes I made is I set a timer on my phone now, and I mean the truth of the matter is I have many opportunities now because of being active on social media, that's how we all are I think, Um, but I set a timer for myself, and once I've hit an hour and a half for the day, no no more Instagram. Which sounds like a lot, but when when you're answering DMs for at least 45 minutes a day, it goes quickly. Um, so it, it's about uh, balance. It's about, uh, I think, using it as a positive thing as much as you can. Um, but yeah, it, it takes some discipline. It, it, it can be a slippery slope.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for sharing, mate. Appreciate that. Um, Casey. do um, you were quoted as saying that gravel takes the pressure off all of us, and we tend to retreat back to just loving pedalling and being with like-minded people. Gravel is for everyone, and, e- and everyone can have fun doing it. I couldn't have said it better myself. Well done. Uh, and I think it's a great reminder for all of us of why we're here, in fact. Um, now, that feeling of joy and freedom of two wheels is something that we can all remember, uh, and relate to. Now, how does your work as a NICA coach and a Little Bella's mentor give you a reminder of how amazing riding your bike can be?
8: Uh, yeah, that's a great start. Um, I feel like, especially with gravel, if you would have asked me five years ago, whenever I was definitely still a rookie, I would have been like, I hate riding gravel. I only ride single track. So to like actually have fallen in love with this sport has been great. And I will say too, like five years ago at that time period, I was definitely on this cusp of like, do I want to race my bike or do I want to continue just riding it? And I got in like this little girl that I'm actually an accountant as well. So I have a day job. And one of the guys I work with was like, my daughter's really into biking and there's three kids showing up to this practice. Would you like to go help them out? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like that would be awesome. And so I just kinda showed up and he was like, I need your help. I'm a road roadie and I need somebody to teach these kids how to mountain bike. And I was like, Okay, like let's go have fun in the woods, kids and that kinda sounds creepy, but it's not
1: Not to me. But,
8: yeah, no, it was awesome, like, I feel like I was on that weird part of, like, not really liking bike racing because sometimes it can be all these type A personalities and it can drive you away from the sport really quickly, and I bet we've all been there where it's like, you work super hard, you show up to races in these beautiful places, and you just sit in a motel room, and that's just not my personality, so... I was definitely like this isn't what I want to do and to go into the woods with the kids and they're like working their butts off and they're enjoying it and I was like you know what I can be a bike racer and be like these kids so I think for me it's just like helping them out is always a priority because they remind me of why I love this sport so much because no offense to all these wonderful people but if you're around type A people all the time you can kind of lose a little bit of passion. But, again, gravel has been a great medium. Like, you finish a gravel race, and there's beer there. There's a party. And it's not like at the Pro XCT mountain bike races where we race in a circle, and it's super fast. Everybody works their butt off. You go to the finish line, and you might see, like, one person, but then everybody retreats to hotel rooms. So it's like... As an individual, I love to ride my bike all the time, if that's possible, and working with kids and showing them that they can do this forever and not just be like baseball or basketball where they're doing it K through college. Like They will be able to do this when they're 60 years old because there's like 67-year-old men out here and women. And, yeah. Like that when you pointed
1: out me. is very yeah. mad right now.
8: <laughs> yeah, like some of them will maybe beat me, and I'm like, whoa, I hope I'm as good as you when I'm that age. So, yeah, it's just it's sharing that love. It's showing these kids something that they can keep with them forever and do with their friends, and, yeah, that's all i got.
1: Beautiful. Well said. <laughs> um, Ted, Colin, Payson, you guys have raced a f- head-to-head a few times this year, including Payson taking the win at Land Run 100. Ted, rumor has it, that you started your sprint at Land Run about three weeks early. Roughly, yes. How do you see tomorrow playing out?
4: Well, furthermore, I sprinted whilst having arrow bars on my bike, which is horribly embarrassing. (laughs) So, what was the question? How do you see tomorrow playing out? Oh, goodness. Uh, I think altitude is an absolute bear, and I think... You know everybody who's on the stage, and hopefully all you guys out there are very confident tomorrow and in your preparation and ready, ready to get out and go. But altitude's a beast. Um, it, it is anybody's guess how it's going to be. 140 miles is a ridiculous long distance. Um, there's a lot of climbing. There's a lot of everything. So I think, I think I got no idea. I'll tell you in about 24 hours.
1: Perfect. Tyson, what about you? You're looking for predictions? Or just how do you see the day unfolding? It can be uh, personal. You can whatever you want to whatever you want to tell us. Well, for one, it'd be sweet if
10: Colin didn't do to us what he did at Kansas. Um, we can hope for that. <laughs> um, no, but in all seriousness, it's really exciting. Kind of like Ted said, I don't think anyone knows what's going to happen because it's a first-year event. Uh, the course, in terms of the climbs, is a a bit less selective than I was expecting the climbs are relatively gentle for Colorado um, that could help Colin a little bit who I know loves rolling the, the flats um, so I think it's a it's a pretty exciting course as in terms of a battle playing out because um, it's got a bit of everything so I will certainly be looking
1: at these two fine gentlemen and several others um, awesome. Colin, what about yourself, mate? Throw a prediction. You're going to attack right from the neutral start, aren't you? Again, I think altitude will
7: be a large determinant of how everybody feels and reacts over 140
6: miles. I want to so race. Obviously, Yuri, Payson, probably
1: then Ted, then myself, a solid fourth. That's my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I uh, I didn't know that we were at altitude, but... It makes sense now because I walked up the stairs this morning. And I was out of breath, so it totally makes sense. Um, Tiff, you're sitting with some esteemed and accomplished mixed terrain uh, athletes. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been able to glean any tips or advice uh, as you take on the blue course tomorrow?
5: I haven't had a chance to fully. get any tips, but the tips I've had, you know, chance to talk to a few people. I was staying with Amy. Um, for the first couple of days, who's put on help on this wonderful event. So just getting a few tips, you know, how we do gravel. Um, obviously, I've ridden gravel roads on a road bike in a few races, but never ridden gravel bike. So I'm looking forward to it. You know, for me, it's new discipline. It's something a little less stressful and press- pressure filled is what we get at pro peloton. So just looking forward to an awesome day out. You know, I'd love to race a black race, but it also we have the Colorado Classic next week. So my team will probably kill me if I went too hard, too deep. But um, yeah, I'm just excited to see what we can do, have some fun. I have my teammate Ella out there. And we've convinced Eric as well to do 100 miles. So we'll have a good day out and just enjoy what gravel all about.
6: Love it.
1: Yuri, back to what Casey said. Sorry, I scared you, mate. Um, uh, working with young girls and up-and-coming athletes. Now, you've spent most of your adult life crisscrossing the country looking for two-wheeled adventures. True. Can you remember back to when you first discovered the joy and freedom of two wheels?
3: Uh, well, for those who don't know, I was so, a school teacher in my past life. I taught elementary school for 11 years for second and third grade. Uh, <laughs> and it was actually school teaching in Pennsylvania where I first discovered the bike. I picked up the bike really late in life when I was 24. I played lacrosse in college, so I never, um, knew really much about cycling. Um, but, uh, It was teaching in Pennsylvania and going out with some other friends, um, in Chuck Taylor's cut off jeans on a borrowed bike, and it was the adventure of it, something new, Um, and like Sturmy said, I'm kind of competitive, so then it just sort of snowballed from there, but uh, it had to be like 94, 95 is
1: when I first discovered the joys of the bike. And I'm sure, I know the answer to this, but do you still have that feeling today? Oh yeah, for sure, more so than ever, because now I get to call it my job. Love it. Alison, you've been able to uh, inspire a generation of athletes with your achievements and dedication to ski racing and cycling. Can you think back to anyone who guided your career and was a mentor to you as you were coming through the ranks?
2: I had a couple of coaches uh, that were really inspiring and perhaps that's why I am a cycling coach now. I had one soccer coach when I was a small little kid, and we would she'd make us run around the soccer field, and others people would complain, oh, it hurts my legs, and she was like, the pain is what makes you better. <laughs> so I like that. So that's um, your coaching philosophy then? I had a ski coach, Jeff Burrows, at, at Winter Park. Um, I questioned everything he wanted me to do, um, and he put up with all my questions, and just really inspired me to be better doing everything that I did, a better ski racer, better in the weight room, a better person, better runner, everything. He was really awesome.
1: Love it. Uh, Eric, gravel racing, gravel riding, gravel events are quite far removed from your career as a cyclist. Um, I think it's incredible that the average average Joes like me can line up on the start line with people like yourselves and compete on the same day in the same course. I think that's Incredible and amazing. Um, How do you feel about the sport that you love, diversifying and opening up the competitive uh, element to people like myself?
0: Honestly, I think we are all the same. So as long as we have the same passion to ride a bicycle and we have the same fun, it doesn't matter. Where you are coming from and uh, what are you doing. So just uh, uh, go like tomorrow, Have fun. If you have fun, to kill yourself and to suffer well, why not? If you are like my age and you don't care if it's uh, one or two hours more until you are in the finish line, why not? Just do what you like to do.
1: Love it. Great advice. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, we're done. Um, Amity, I do have a question for you and you touched on it a little bit. Your mom is an ultramarathoner. Um, and she was a big am- had a big impact on your life. Um, tell me about that feeling of, you know, seeing your mom out there running 50 milers and things like that and that becoming normal for you. What was that like as a kid kind of watching your mom do those things?
6: Um, I think I have a limited perspective because that was my normal. So, I mean, I don't know what it's really like to grow up in a different environment. Um, I have kind of come to realize that, you know, people at these events, whether it's, you know, people gunning for the win or, like, people just riding, like, cycling has introduced me to, like, the biggest variety of people I, like, would have never otherwise met, and I think that's, like, part of what's so valuable in it, um, so yeah, I mean, (laughs) it was, it was a weird upbringing, um, I'll probably end up running that far at some point in my life, well, um, (laughs) but, yeah, I mean, I think it just really fostered, um, foster this idea that you know there's some like I don't know, there's like some peace to be had in like being out there, like with only yourself, <laughs> um, and nothing really to do except you know find out what it is to push yourself that hard. Um, yeah. so love it, yeah.
1: Um, I think that's a beautiful and perfect way to end it, and I think that. Uh, firstly, let's give all of these amazing athletes a round of applause. Thank you for joining us. Um, and I think just to touch on Abby's last point, tomorrow is going to be about whatever you want it to be about. So if you want to suffer and you want to go deep and you want to find out something about yourself, there's an opportunity to do that. My advice is make sure you look around. Take the time, look around, say hello to people. High five. It is a community. It is a special place that we're in. Uh, you only ever get to, to do a first-year event one time. So have an amazing time out there. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Amy Charity, who's going to talk more about the SBD Parity Initiative uh, and celebrate all the wonderful, amazing women that we have here in Steamboat this weekend. Thank you so much again, everybody. Travis McKenzie, have fun. That was the pro panel from the SBT Gravel event, including... Amazing athletes like Casey Armstrong, Amity Rockwell, Alison Powers, Tiffany Cromwell, Sarah Sturm, Payson McAlveen, Ted King, Yuri Halswald, Colin Strickland, and Tour de France legend Eric Zabel. I hope you enjoyed the panel. It was an honor to be able to moderate the event, and I look forward to many, many more interviews with amazing athletes just like you heard from today. This is Travis McKenzie for the Inner Voice Audio Experience.